Welcome to Eat This Scroll, a University Fellowship Church podcast. My name is Chris Moore. We do this twice a week. We get together and talk about what we've been chewing on in God's Word. This week, we've got Sean Duncan with us. It's a me, a Sean. sean the man, the myth, the legend. Um, Sean, I bet... I bet you've got some more Sermon on the Mount for us. I do. Oh, my body is ready. But this is, it's a pivotal moment in our relationship of having this podcast, because instead of doing one verse, Chris, I'm going to do two verses. I'm heated listener. He did not prepare me for this. Yep. Two verses. So <laughs> I ho- hopefully you've allotted an hour for this one. Just kidding. We're going to get this through. So we've been spending a lot of our time in the Sermon on the Mount and we were going through the Beatitudes, which are the statements where Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he goes through and there's eight specific Beatitudes. And this is how he opens the Sermon on the Mount. And the idea of being blessed is, is flourishing in your existence and happy in your experience and to have God's favor on your life. And the reason these people are blessed are not because they're poor in spirit or because they're mourning or because they're hungering and thirsting for righteousness, but because they're disciples of Jesus. So he is saying these things are true about his disciples. And if they they find themselves in a state of of mourning or if they find themselves in a state of, of pursuing righteousness or um, being a peacemaker, that they're going to be they're going to receive a blessing from God himself. So he, he he's encouraging hope here to his disciples uniquely. Um, but the first uh, eight blessed are the, that we can really see those as the opening of the sermon, the opening of the Beatitudes, because they're all in a, a plural tense and not specific to any individual. So, It'd be like, blessed are they, the poor in spirit. Blessed are they, those who mourn. So it's like a third person plural. It's general statements. So these can be true of any of us. Uh, And it's almost like he's speaking it over the crowd who's come and sat to listen to him. But then he gets specific when we get to chapter 11, or I'm sorry, verse 11 and 12. All of a sudden he uses the second person plural and he says, blessed are you. So just a, a quick grammar lesson. I know I say these things a lot, but for, like a first person singular is when you say I have done this or I run. That's a first person. Second person singular is you run. Um, third person singular is when you say he runs or she runs. And then you have first person plural, which is we you have second person plural, which is again in the Bible, it's you and we use it as you, but Maybe we should have some Southern drawl and say y'all. y'all. It, it, it's it's an inclusive you. And then you have third person plural, which is they. Um, so I know I, I throw those terms out a lot, so that might be helpful. But yeah. all of a sudden, Jesus says, blessed are you, which is a plural you. Blessed are y'all. So it's like he, all of a sudden he's speaking specifically to, to people in a situation. But here's what he says in verse 11 and 12 says, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So now he's getting very specific to his people. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's almost like, hey, what have you been saying so far, Jesus, in your eight sentences that you've spoken? Well, he's getting specific. You are blessed by God. You have God's favor. When people revile you, like, hold on a second. So I'm blessed when I'm hated. I don't like that. Yeah. It, 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 <laughs> it feels like an oxymoron. Yeah. Blessed when you're reviled or when people hate you and don't like you. Um, blessed are you when others persecute you, when they 
attack you and, and try to harm you and try to push you aside because of your um, distinguished beliefs. And then you're also blessed when people utter all kinds of evil against you. That, that's almost like a catch-all phrase for anything wrong, bad, or negative that someone could say about you. When they say that about you, you are blessed. Here's the caveat to it. It's not just when that generally happens. It's when people revile you, persecute you, or utter, utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Mm-hmm. Falsely on my account. So it's this idea that you're not being persecuted or reviled or even slandered because of who you are. You're being slandered because of who you say Jesus is. And it's your commitment to who Jesus is being fully God and fully man. Your commitment to Jesus being the only way for anyone to receive salvation through his sacrificial death and and his righteous offering of life for you and your place because your works can't save you and you need to be saved by God's grace through your faith. It's your belief and conviction in Jesus that when people revile you and persecute you and utter evil against you on Jesus's account, that's when you're blessed. So it's that attachment to Jesus that is causing this blessedness to happen. And then there's also that word falsely. So if someone brings a true claim against you that they're able to say you did something bad Uh, basically like if i was like hey chris you have not cleaned your laundry for three months it's what are you doing in my house sean and you keep you can you keep wearing the same clothes to work (laughs) if that was false you know obviously you're in the clear it's fine you like you put your head down you keep going but if it's true it's like well okay you you're not blessed in that situation like please clean your laundry you know yeah it starts to get a little smelly so this is a metaphor for the sin in our life, our dirty laundry <laughs> that we're, need to, we need to air out. So if people can bring a true claim against you, there's something going on in our life and our heart. But if people are bringing a claim against us that's false, then Jesus says, hey, you're blessed. They're doing it uh, because they hate me and not because they hate you per se, but because of their hatred of me. Jesus frames it similarly in the Gospel of John where he says, he says something along the lines of like, the world hates me, therefore they're going to hate you. you know, right, take you're not, heart. Yeah, you're not of the world, even though you're in the world type of thing. So our attachment to Jesus means that there will be pushback from the world who does not love Jesus. But then he says in verse 12, rejoice and be glad. Rejoice and be glad. And I love it because it's a command. Like he's, he's saying, hey, be happy. And he just got done saying, when, you, when you're persecuted and when you're reviled and when you're attacked, uh, you should be happy about it. So yeah. I was like, hold the phone. How Wait could I be? Minute. How could I be happy about that? And how could I rejoice? Well, then he says, the reason why you can rejoice and be happy in those circumstances when you're attacked because of the account of Christ, because you're attached to Jesus, is because your reward in heaven is great. Your reward. You. Like, first of all, okay, I know that in Romans it says no one is justified by the works of the law. So that means nothing that I can do can earn my salvation or my credit with God or my standing with God. So just the fact that I can have salvation is amazing. The fact that I can come to Christ and he can take my sin and give me his righteousness and I can be saved. That's amazing. But then to add on top of that, that he also rewards me. That is amazing because I'm not being rewarded necessarily for my own sake, but on his account, 
Yeah. So that's why in Romans 8, when Paul says, uh, if he who did not spare his own son, how much more will he give us? You know, this idea that God has already given us everything in the son and everything that the son accomplished in his perfectly righteous life being handed over to us. Hmm. There, there's a great reward because we are attached and we are bound and we're unified to Christ. And then he makes the correlation with the prophets. He says, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So not only do you have this great reward in heaven, not just salvation in a general sense, but in a magnificent sense, you have a reward waiting for you as a follower of Christ. One that cannot, you can compare it to anything in the world. And the only reason you have it is because Christ earned it. Mm. But then he also invites you into a heritage. So not just you're going to have a reward, but also you come from a long tradition of suffering for righteousness. And he talks about the, how the prophets who were persecuted before all of us. So then that just calls to mind like, man, what do we know about the prophets? Well, they were always speaking about the judgment of God and about the hope of God's judgment and reconciliation of the world and the restoration of all things through the promise of a Messiah. And through that, no one ever listened to the prophets. And what people would do is they would stone the prophets or saw them in half or run them out of town. <laughs> you know, Jeremiah, he got smuggled out of out of Jerusalem and they took him down into Egypt like, to hide him because people were trying to kill him. Then there was the Babylonians trying to take him out. Prophets were not liked. In retrospect, people love the prophets, but the people of the time of the prophets, they were always trying to kill the prophets. So not only do we have this great and mighty uh, reward that awaits us, but we all can also look to our past and see that now we stand in a long tradition and a long heritage of, of righteous, godly people. And it's because of them that we have the hope and the promise of God's word given to us. And now we stand in that tradition as followers of Jesus. Wow. And for that reason, be happy. Yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm sure that's not what that song is about. But you could sing it. Rejoice and be glad. And it's not like a put on a facade and act like your suffering is not real. Because suffering is real. But even in the midst of suffering, you can have hope. Because you have a great reward in heaven and you come from a rich heritage. Yeah. So our, we're being persecuted on account of Christ our reward is on account of Christ. We're in a line of people who have done the same thing and experienced the same stuff. And they were all pointing to Christ. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. That's amazing. It's so good. Sean, this is good. Um, one final thought, you know, somebody who's, who's has experienced real, real uh, persecution, or maybe somebody who, who thinks maybe like, man, I just feel really persecuted. Um, what, uh, what practical tools do you have coming from, because this one and the last one, we talked about persecution a lot. Um, so what practical tools do you have to really give someone a frame of mind to? Yeah. Um, in Romans 12, it says, um, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So there's a renewal that takes place in your life as a Christian through your mind changing. And I think one of the the best ways we can we can face hardship is by renewing the way we see it. So for example, when you're getting reviled and persecuted and people are uttering all kinds of evil against you falsely, uh, they're probably saying things like you're wrong. You're not worth anything. You're stupid. You're dumb. You should get out of people's way. You shouldn't be talking about that anymore. You're worthless. 
No one loves you. Okay, so you have to combat that with truth. Well, Jesus says, I'm blessed. And he says, I have a lot of reason to be happy and glad. And scripture tells me that I am adopted. I'm an adopted son and daughter. That I am an oak of righteousness. That I am accepted. That I am beloved. That I am kept. That I am precious in his eyes. And you see, you have to begin to transform your mind by reminding yourself of, of what God said is, says is true. Because everything is from, we're looking at things with a perspective. So if we have a limited perspective of right now, this moment, and the person who's saying these words is the ultimate authority in our life, then it's going to crush us. But if we can begin to ex- daily expand our perspective to not just see today, but see the next 15 billion years that we're going to exist in a mighty God who is over all things. And, and what does God say about me and about my circumstances over time that will change your experience of them. So perception does change experience, even though your circumstances might not change your experience of the circumstances does change. Yeah. So good. Yeah. yeah set your mind on things above, not things of earth. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. Sean, a pleasure as always. Mining the word of God. I love it. Thanks for having me, man. We'll see you next time. See ya. Well, thanks for listening. Thank you to our guests for coming and sharing what they've been chewing on in God's word. We produce these podcasts and release them twice a week. So please subscribe so you don't miss out on one. And don't forget, love God, love your neighbor, and make disciples.